Greetings and welcome to Trauma and Social Work Podcast. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen or pencil, a cup of warm tea, and let's get down to business. Disclaimer, this podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Welcome to episode 10 of the Trauma and Social Work podcast. Today we are going to talk about grief and loss. There are many ways to understand grief and loss. One way to explore grief and loss is by sharing stories about grief and loss from a mental health perspective. Note, I will share a story, but I've changed the demographic information and this is not a past or current client. This is a story to help understand the process we go through with grief and loss. I have used aspects of relational theory to support and guide my understanding of many mental health complexities. One theory I typically will reference is relational theory. The relational exchange suggests dysfunction in interpersonal relationships is manifested in unrepaired relationships from the past. The first relationship we have is with our parents and caregivers. The first relationships in life provide examples and experiences that will lay the foundation for future relationships. If a child is born with the experience of unconditional love, feeling safe and engaged in trusting relationships, this will support a healthy, positive relational experience. If a child is born with the experience of fearfulness, anxieties, inconsistencies, inconsistency, and abuse, this will support potential struggles in future relationships. The early relationships in life are not all bad and not all good, but they lay a foundation of what needs to be worked through in life for the person to move towards happiness. Children involved in the foster care systems in infancy or adolescence will experience grief and loss. Let me introduce Rick to you. Rick is a five-year-old African-American and Mexican male. His biological mother raised him until about three years of age, and during infancy, he was exposed to his mother's unresolved attachment concerns. Simply, she was not available to securely attach to him. She wasn't emotionally available. Rick was described as a problematic child. He cried all the time, and he struggled with colic. He was fussy. He was physically active and got into many, many things in the house, which was exhausting to his mother. Then Rick moved to live with his biological father, 
until he was about five years old. Rick's father was stern and had rigid uh, parenting techniques. Although his father had many strengths. He was active in sports and he was playful. And Rick enjoyed memories with his father. But in this short relationship, Rick's father died. Rick's mother could not care for him, so Rick went into the foster care system. Rick's early relationships with his mother left him feeling abandoned and unloved most of the time. His basic needs were not met, and his mom was not emotionally available. Yet this relationship was severed before he understood how this could impact his future relationships. Then there was his dad. When or who one day was home and the next day was gone. Childhood grief and loss create an unbearable situation. For infants and children, they don't have the language to put it into words and describe their experiences. They communicate through their play and in their behavior. When these issues are not addressed, the, these are what increases the anxieties in a child. The child may learn to avoid and disassociate because in their mind, they're not given the options from other adults. Rick entered into the foster care system and there was no conversation about the unavailability of his mother or the death of his father. Social workers did not provide space for him to explore these feelings. Foster parents, and there were a few of them, did not talk about this with Rick. There were no pictures of his parents and no means of communicating his feelings of grief and loss. Other than through his behavior, which was often misunderstood because this is where the labels came in. The adults saw him as oppositional and they didn't see that he was a grieving child. After some time and a few foster placements, he had little conscious memories of his parents. Most adults assume he just forget the relationships with mom and dad. Rick did forget conscious memories of his parents. However, not working through the grief and loss of his parents resides in the residue that filters out in future relationships with others. At the age of 10, Rick had behavioral concerns, extreme aggression, enuresis is when you are not able to control your bladder, inattentiveness, and oppositional behaviors. He would physically hit others, adults and children, uh, even foster parents at times. There would be moments when Rick would cry hysterically and he would hit his head against the wall. Most of the foster parents were ill-equipped to manage his behaviors. He felt unsafe and his emotional pain was intolerable. At the onset of treatment, I knew I would, would be working through the grief and loss of his parents. The early stages of what lays the foundation for him in future relationships. I understood Rick needed repair with an unavailable and unattached mother. I understood I would be used to work through the death of his father as well. Rick's mother and father were the two first relationships that left him grieving over their loss. In our work together, Rick would come to my office weekly 
Rick developed a routine over time, which helped him feel supported, secure, and with consistency, he started to trust. Rick was given the freedom to control this environment, my office, which did not happen in his foster homes or in school. There were no rules to follow unless he created the rules. Rick felt empowered. Rick summarized his early experiences by, I come to see you every week. You are my counselor. We play, you ask questions about my mom and dad, and then I leave. Rick's cleverness and intelligence was impressive and a little intimidating at times. He took on the role of a parent and I became the child. He gave me orders, setting limits on my behavior and was kind towards my emotional reactions. This displays his ability to have empathy, a positive trait. I realized my patience in this process allowed him to work through his losses both consciously and unconsciously. There are typically seven stages of grief. One is shock and denial. This is a state of disbelief and feelings of numbness. Then there is pain and guilt. This is a state of self-blame and a lot of questioning about life and meaning. Then there is anger and bargaining. This is a state of, um, let's say acting out, social isolation, and sometimes having conversations with God. A child can move towards or away from their spiritual or religious beliefs or practices. Usually what follows is some sort of depressed state. A child feels that all their prior attempts haven't resolved their pain and suffering. Depression in children is manifested in a few ways. They may express this form of sadness outward, hitting others, acting out, or inward, social isolation, quietness. Then a child will attempt to reconstruct a story using their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. This supports the transition into later stage of acceptance and hope. Grief and loss is not a linear process, meaning everyone will go through all the stages one step at a time. Some children will cycle through the stages and some children will get stuck, just simply stuck. A child will rarely though, a child will rarely go from being in shock and denial and move directly into acceptance and hope. It's a process. During treatment, I was able to find pictures of Rick's mom and dad. Through the support of his social worker, I was able to reconnect him with relatives who were also looking for him. How amazing is that for a child to realize that there are actually people who are biologically connected to you, who care and love you. Rick recalled some memories of his father. Rick also reported in happy emotion when seeing pictures of his mom. He heard stories about his parents and what he was like as a very young child. He began to reconnect with family and had this shared cultural experience. Rick came into my office one day and said, I'm ready. And I replied, ready for what? And Rick said, 
ready to write my mom and dad a letter. This was an indication he was moving through the stages of grief. Rick's early experiences with early losses in his life helped me to reference relational theory, the connection between two people, and this is a transformative process. We were curious about each other and we were able to do some repair in how he experienced the relationships with his mom and dad. His behaviors improved significantly and he got off of psychotropic medications. I will end this by saying, relational theory understands all human behavior is about the interaction between individuals and their interactions with others. The focus is on the past and present relationships. This helps us to know how to help our patients best. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying, the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient Kemetic Proverbs.